Hey everyone, welcome to Cornerstone Fellowship Church Online. My name is Christian and I'm the online campus pastor. I'm so glad that you're joining us from, well, wherever you are. Many of us, of course, are joining from homes close to our five physical locations across the San Francisco East Bay. But it's been fun getting to know people who are joining us from uh, Indiana, Colorado, Washington State, Japan, Indonesia, and of course from the Netherlands where many of my family lives. Hoi mom, leuk dat je meekijkt en meedoet. But wherever you are today, welcome. If you have kids at home, I want to encourage you. Um, at Cornerstone, we've always believed that the primary people for helping kids take their next step with Jesus are their family. Uh, kids' parents, their grandparents, or maybe their aunt or uncle. And now, more than ever, we know families find themselves in a position of uh, not just being the school teachers and 24-7 short-order cooks, right? Am I right? But also the primary model for what it looks like to take your next step with Jesus. So take heart, okay? Our kids and student teams are working hard to provide you with the resources that can and will help. You can find all the info for kids and students and parents right on the front page at cornerstoneweb.org. Just keep scrolling a little bit towards the bottom. Steve Ingle, the Livermore campus pastor, will be teaching us today out of the book of Psalms again. And here's the thing, okay, this is our goal. Our mission and our prayer right now is that this service and today's sermon would reach across the miles and across the screen to help you take your next step with Jesus, your next step in your faith journey, whatever that step might be. Perhaps your next step is to let us know who you are, you know, put your name in the chat or head over to cornerstoneweb.org slash new and let us know that you are ready to know more about Cornerstone and how you can join us in our mission. And before we get started, I want to remind you that if right now is actually not a good time to attend the service because, you know, there's kids running around, your spouse is crabby because, well, honestly, they just need to eat something, or your roommate is loudly Zooming with their crew, come on, feel free to come back later this week. We post our service on YouTube and you can always come back. Attending church online is hard and right now may just not be right. All right, let's get started with some awesome worship music with Enoch from our Walnut Creek campus, Taylor from our Brentwood campus. Let's worship together. Welcome to Cornerstone. Hey church. You know, it's amazing that we got to be able to go through the names of God last week. And we got to learn about these different descriptors of God, of his characteristics. And we're living in such unknown and difficult times. And then we look at the names of God and we like El Elyon and El Shaddai and Adonai, Lord God Almighty, our Lord and Master. And you see, these are names that God didn't have to earn. They describe characteristics of God that were true during Bible times, true now and will forever be true. And see, in a time when things are so inconsistent, things are changing all around us, we can find hope in the consistency of God, our Lord God who is never changing. I pray that we would continue to remember that our God is Adonai, El Elyon, El Shaddai, our God forever. Promise of the Son of Man. Story 
I count on one thing The same God who never fails Will not fail me now You won't fail me now In the waiting The same God who's never late Is working all things out You're working all things out Oh yes I take some time to write in the chat who God has been to you during this season. 
Maybe he's been your provider, your father, your comfort, your encouragement. So just take a moment to reflect on this time and thank God for who he's been. And just write it in the chat to encourage others because maybe they need to know who God has been to you because he can be that for them as well. Once you've written that in the chat, we're just going to respond to God with that course way maker and remind ourselves that that is exactly who he is. Our way maker, our miracle worker, our promise keeper forever and always. Cornerstone. My name is Kevin, and uh, so glad to be with you, kind of. Uh, if you're new here, uh, welcome. Welcome to Cornerstone. Uh, this this is how we've always this is how we've always done church. So you're not missing anything. Uh, we don't have really cool buildings all over the East Bay that we usually meet in and actually make eye contact with each other and eat donuts and bagels and have amazing sound systems and sing worship songs with hundreds and thousands of other people. You're not missing anything. This is it. This is how we've always done church. And, and it's great. And I think what you're going to find here at Cornerstone um, is just a big, huge group of people that's just nailing quarantine. Uh, none of us are frustrated or overwhelmed or exhausted or have random mood swings even throughout the course of a day. Um, none of us have weird coping mechanisms like, for example, growing a mustache that they've never grown before that's just objectively bad, or getting a puppy. No one, we're all just, listen, we all just sit in the presence of God every day and we just feel filled up and everything's easy and good. Welcome to our church. Um, for real though, for all of you that, that uh, I usually see on a weekend, um, I miss you. I miss seeing you. I miss high fives in the courtyard and, you know, even like an awkward side hug or 
I miss everybody. I'm, I miss everybody. I miss everybody that doesn't live in this house in the whole world. All of you, if you don't live in my house, I miss you. Um, and if you're watching this, you probably don't live in my house. And if you're watching this and you do live in my house, Trisha, I also miss you. I just wish, I wish we got even more time together than we have. And that's what my heart is craving, uh, is more of that. Um, for real though, I hope you're, I hope you're being kind to yourself. Um, this is hard. And, uh, especially if you have kids, I have three of them and trying to figure out how to be a homeschool teacher and work remotely. And I hope you're just being kind to yourself. It's okay if you're not good at this. It's okay if your kid didn't do any homework for two days because you just didn't have it or they didn't have it. And um, I also have a big announcement to make for all the parents. Um, we have decided that there are no longer any limits on screen time at all. So pre-coronavirus, that was a thing we worried about. Uh, I think that's not a thing anyone can worry about anymore. If you make it to the end of the day and your kids know that you love them and you didn't scream at them today, that's a win. If they had four hours of screen time or eight hours or one hour or 10 minutes, you nailed it. Um, be nice to yourself. Look at yourself the way that Jesus looks at you. He's fascinated with you and he loves you. And he, he came here and earned so much empathy on your behalf. And he knows how it feels to be isolated. He knows how it feels to feel alone. Um, and he just loves you and thinks you're great. And so any voice in your head that says anything other than that is not the voice of the Holy Spirit. So be nice to yourself. Know that we love you. Know that all your Cornerstone family's thinking about you. And um, one more thing before we go, uh, this church thrives and, and, and in a season like right now just kind of survives um, because people like you are so generous and to support the ministry that we do. Um, right now, done from homes all over the East Bay, um, thinking about you, figuring out what we can do to serve you and take care of you, all of that. Um, the reason we're able to do that is because you're so generous. So first of all, thank you so much for being generous. Um, there should be some instructions on the screen right now for how you can give. Um, I would encourage you, if you haven't already set up recurring giving, if you do that, then anytime someone's talking about giving, you can just tune out and look at your phone. And that buys you, I don't know, a minute, minute and a half back of your life um, while we're talking about giving every week. So please do that. Um, please be generous if you can. If you can't, that's okay too. And we love you. And we're thinking about you. And we're going to do what we can to take care of you. So you're about to hear a great message from my buddy Steve. Um, I hope it ministers to you. I hope it feeds you. And stick around for the end because there's a really, really great song that you're going to want to hear at the end. So... Love you, miss you. See you soon. like we are in week 476 of Shelter in Place. For a while now, we haven't been able to do the things we normally get to do. Our schedules have been changed drastically, and things just aren't the way they used to be. And that's been tough. But it's also created space for some other experiences. Now, I've had the chance to spend some more time learning and experiencing things I didn't have the time to do before. Like the other day, I attempted to bake for the first time in my life. I made a chocolate chip banana bread, 
and it was delicious, which is why I ate most of it and why the quarantine 15 is going to be a reality for me. Uh, but I've also had some time to teach my son some new things. I'm teaching Jericho how to ride a bike and I'm really spending some time teaching him how to tie his shoes. And because we spent so much time holding his shoes, I've been looking at my son's feet a lot. Like many of you, I've spent some time pouring through the Psalms and seeing how they seem to, to connect with so many things that I'm experiencing from moment to moment, like Jericho's feet. In Psalm 17:5, David writes, My steps have held to your paths. My feet have not stumbled. And during this time that no one asked for and no one expected, I've started to process and think through how I'm responding. Am I holding to the path that God has set before me? Are my feet stumbling? I mean, no one looks at their response to what's currently going on around us and says, I want to screw this up. Or even at their life and says, you know, I want to go a direction that won't lead to a great destination. We typically want to go on the right path. But just because we want to go somewhere doesn't mean that we'll end up there. I saw this with Jericho learning to tie his shoes. And there was a, a lot of back and forth where Jericho really wanted me to show him how to do it and teach him the right way to lead him toward his goal of tying his shoes. But then there was this point where he was like, Dad, just let me do it on my own. I mean, he really wanted his shoes to be tied. He really wanted it to be done perfectly. But he also wanted to do it his way. He wanted to go the direction that he wanted to go, regardless of the direction I was pointing him in, even though we had the same destination in mind. I mean, he didn't want to end up with this. He didn't want a knot, but he thought he knew better. So he continued to disregard my direction that would have led him to a tied shoe. And he took his own path, one that consistently led him to a place he didn't want to be. I mean, how often do we do this? How often do we just take the path we make and disregard the direction or, or guidance that God gives us? You know, maybe your path and your choice are the only options you've ever known or considered. Maybe you haven't arrived at the place where you trust that there's, there's a God who desires great things for you and wants to take you along his journey. And if that's you, I just want to encourage you to give what I have to say today some thought. Or let's just say you are trying your best to follow the path God has for you. How do you have assurance that you're going the right way? How do you know you're on the right path? I even think about what we're all experiencing right now. But through 2,000 years of Christian history, we consistently see Christ followers who have the, the posture of peace in the midst of peril, who worship when everyone else is worried, who find joy and hope when others simply don't. Am I on that same path? How do I go that direction? And if you're wondering why following God's path matters or why you would even want to do this, well, I think it's so evident throughout Scripture, and especially the Psalms, that these authors feel like 
they aren't truly living unless they're walking in God's path. And, and I agree. I mean, go, going God's way is how we thrive. And this whole idea and metaphor of, of path shows up so frequently in the Psalms. David's writings and the other psalmists mention this word path more than 20 times throughout this ancient text. And I want to focus our attention there today. Uh, we're not going to pick out one psalm to study as, as much as we are a theme that is very present in many of the psalms. As I've studied this, this word and this thought throughout the psalms, throughout these poems and songs, I've recognized that, that oftentimes when a psalmist writes or describes a path, they typically use at least one of three phrases to go with it. Those three, three phrases are, show me, teach me, lead me. Say that with me. Show me, teach me, lead me. In Psalm 25, 4 through 5, David actually uses all of them. Here's what he writes. Show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me, and your, your translation might say, say guide me, but lead and guide, it's the same Hebrew word here. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are God my Savior and my hope is in you all day long. As we try to imagine what David was going through in these moments as he wrote these words, I think we can imagine ourselves in his shoes, just pleading with God, crying out, show me God, teach me Lord, lead me Father in your way. And it's the same thing that David's crying out to God. Show me, teach me, lead me in your direction so that I don't screw things up. I don't want to mess this up, God. I want to arrive at the destination you have for me. So Lord, please send me on the right path. The difficulty in all this, though, is that these aren't natural reactions. Our desire, our will, our want, that's natural. And it can so easily get in the way of this. It's why David repeats these sayings so often in his Psalms. The, the, the reposturing to this mentality takes some intentionality. And one of, the, one of the cool things about living in Northern California is that we get to experience great weather most of the time. And we have the opportunity to see some of the most beautiful portions of God's incredible creation and what he's designed. And I think back to what Pastor Becky shared a couple weeks ago and how we experience the presence of God. And for me, one of my favorite places to experience the presence of God is in nature. Snowboarding in the mountains, swimming in the ocean, or taking hikes around some of our local parks. And I love going on those hikes with my family. But to be honest, uh, hiking with a seven-year-old can get a little frustrating at times. I mean, I'm fully aware of the dangers that are around us. There are snakes and the chance to slip and fall and really just go the wrong way and end up getting lost. My son Jericho, not as aware of these dangers. So there are plenty of times where his feet and the shoes that he is now tied himself take him to places I just don't necessarily want him to go. And because of this, these, these hikes have been teaching me a lot. Like when Jericho wants to be out in front and go whatever direction he wants, even if it's not the right direction. 
I usually have to really map out for him which path to take. But, but he still wants my help. Dad, show me which way I should go. And I'm like, all right, go right or go left. And he'll say, Dad, I don't know my lefts and my rights. And so I'll, I'll say, okay, go that way. And he's asking me to make it so obvious to him which way he should go. It's the same thing David asks God multiple times in these Psalms. Like Psalm 143. And you can go ahead and turn your Bible or Bible apps there because we're going to spend a decent amount of time just looking at a few of these verses from Psalm 143. And we're going to start right with verse 8. Psalm 143, verse 8. I'll give you a second to get there. 143, verse 8. Here's what David writes. Let the morning bring me word of your unfailing love, for I have put my trust in you. Show me the way I should go, for to you I entrust my life. You know, Jericho trusts me, and that's why he asks me to to show him the way to go. But how does he know to trust me? Well, he knows because we've been on hikes before and I haven't steered him wrong. And David knows the same thing about God. God has helped him see the correct paths before. A few verses earlier, David writes in verse 5, I remember the days of long ago. I meditate on all your works and consider what your hands have done. How do we know to trust God? For David, it was remembering the days of long ago, meditating on his works and considering what his hands had done. And this is something we can do as well. I mean, this, ought, this absolutely applies to our own lives and what we've experienced with God, but it also applies to what we've learned through Scripture and, and, and even people that have gone before us. I love the phrase that David, David uses here, meditate on your works. You know, if, if you're in a situation right now where you're asking God to show you which path to take, then this whole idea of meditation would be one that is so beneficial to you. For me personally, I'm, I'm focusing on the phrase, consider what God's hands have done. And it's been so cool how God prompts these big and little memories where, where he's just been so present and providential in my life. Like when I met my wife for the first time and her actually liking me, the birth of our son, moving up to the Bay Area, having a bed to sleep in, a roof over our head, the food in our fridge, or even when I get an encouraging and timely text message from a friend. And and I don't know about you, but, but shelter in place has provided me time to reflect that I don't think I had before, or at least didn't take advantage of. Amanda and I were talking the other day about how this shutdown has caused us to pause. And we're attempting to choose to see the good in everything we are experiencing. Sometimes it's a little more challenging than others. But this week, I want to encourage you, pick one phrase from a psalm and meditate on it. See how it impacts every moment of your day. And if you need help with this, Uh, I'd encourage you to go to our website and and check out our Daily Steps devotional. That can be a great resource for you. But whatever it is you choose, whether it's a psalm or or you use that devotional, I want to encourage you, take it with you throughout the day and allow it to become a part of your memory. And just see what God brings to mind and how he works that together for your good. John Ortberg writes, 
What matters is not how many words we memorize, but what happens to our minds as we immerse them in Scripture. And this is what helps us to trust God in those moments where we're just like, I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to respond. But if I can stop and remember and meditate on and consider all that God has done, then I have confidence to move forward, trusting what he will do. And if we're going to ask God to show us the way we should go, we have to take into account what he would say back. And I think God oftentimes says, hey, your direction needs some reflection. Is God telling you that your direction needs some reflection today? Is God saying, don't be consumed with what is happening now. Reflect on how I've already come through for you in the past and for so many over thousands of years of human history. Learn from that. And in the same way, Jericho knows that I won't show him the wrong path. We know God won't show us the wrong path because we're able to reflect on what he has already done. Show us your way, Father. You know, on every hike that I take with Jericho, there comes a time when even though I've made it so obvious to him which direction he should go, he doesn't necessarily take the path I show him. Sometimes I have to pick him up and throw him on my shoulders to keep him from going the wrong way. And oftentimes it's completely against his will. And I think that's some of what David is experiencing and how he's posturing himself before God when he says, teach me. Look, look at the first part of verse 10. David writes, teach me to do your will for you are my God. When we follow God's will, when we do what God's will is for our life, our will takes a back seat. And when Jericho is on my shoulders, he has no choice where we're going. He just gets carried. He gets taken along for the ride. And I think when it comes to which path we take, sometimes we have to get carried. And, and if we can be okay with that, if we trust God to carry us in times of uncertainty, then what we are admitting is a surrender of our own will. And this doesn't mean that we become passive people. It doesn't mean we stop asking questions or stop using our minds to think critically or stop engaging in things. Oftentimes, it actually means engaging in things that make us feel a little bit uncomfortable. Fighting injustice, standing up against wrongdoing, challenging the status quo. God teaching us to do his will doesn't mean that we put Jesus on our shoulders and say, come on along for the ride and just kind of let him observe where we're going. No, it means getting carried by Jesus where he wants to take us. A posture of surrender that continuously admits there is a God and it is not me. It's relinquishing control. It's living the prayer Jesus himself prayed, not my will, Father, but thy will be done. Now, there are many times where Jericho is on my shoulders and, and he'll point a certain direction and, and sometimes even like pull my head that way and say, Dad, let's go that way. And, and I have to say no, because it's not safe or it's going to take us down the wrong path. Do you have someone in your life who, who says no to you and it actually produces good things in you and for you? What, what do you feel when it seems like God's the one saying no? Are you okay with that? 
Do you see the good it produces? And when we say, God, teach us, we are preparing ourselves to get comfortable with the uncomfortable answer from God that we may not get what we want. But isn't that what surrender means? Not what I want, not what I choose, not what I decide. I give that to you, Lord. And I remember when I was first starting out in ministry and I was looking for a youth pastor job at at a few churches, and there was this one job that I really wanted at a church in Southern California. Um, the lead pastor was the chaplain for the Chargers, so I was like having dreams about meeting all the NFL players that played on the Chargers, and, and it was a big church with lots of resources, and, and I really, I just wanted that job. But after my fourth or fifth interview, that seemed super promising, they said, no. God said, no. And I ended up taking a job at another church that I was at for two years, and it wasn't a great experience. I've, I've shared some of that before. But it eventually led me to Cornerstone. It led me here. And through that process, I learned that God's path is so much bigger and greater than what I want right now. I was forced to surrender what I wanted, which is not natural, and it's not normal. But I've learned and am definitely still learning, especially right now, that it's for my good. Like Timothy Keller tweeted this, uh, tweeted the other day, God will either give us what we ask or give us what we would have asked if we knew everything he knew. And to be honest, it, it takes some work for me to get to the place where I trust those words. But I think sometimes when we're trying to figure out which path to take, what God teaches us is that he just knows better. And we may not, may not always get the why, but we will get an education in what surrendering to his will produces in us and for us and through us to those around us as we go along for the ride. Teach me your path, God. And usually around the time our, our hike is about to come to an end and I've let Jericho down off my shoulders, uh, he'll, look up, he'll look up at me and say, hey, dad, can I be the leader? Which is, it's so cool because I love that my son wants to lead, but it's also so annoying. Like Jericho has little legs and when he leads, we often don't walk at the pace I want to walk. And by often, I mean never. I mean, I'm constantly bumping into him, and because I'm so close to him, I'm, I'm always getting the, the dust that he kicks up on my shoes. But what Jericho has taught me is that sometimes I need to be slowed down. And I think this is true of my walk with Jesus as well. Learning, growing, and sometimes slowing to see as he sees. When we posture ourselves like David does in these songs, the journey with Jesus is a beautiful thing. And I think that's what God has used Jericho to open my eyes to on these hikes. Now, I'm always trying to get, get done with the hike and, and move on to whatever's next, but, but Jericho's so present. He's pointing things out and saying, Dad, look at that, look at this, did you see this? It's like through him, God is saying to me, hey, don't miss out on the journey because you're so focused on the destination. And I think this is what happens when we choose to be led by someone else. We walk at their pace. We go when they go. We stop when they stop. In verse 10, the end of verse 10, David says, 
May your good spirit, may your good spirit lead me on level ground. Now, how do we, how do we avoid venturing down the, the slippery slopes? How do we sidestep the daunting uphill climbs on our path toward the destination God has for us? And we follow God's good spirit as he leads us on level ground. And it doesn't mean there won't be obstacles to navigate along the way. It doesn't mean that God leading us will always prevent us from some of those things that, that will prove to be difficult. But as Father Richard Rohr says, God seems to send us on the path toward our own wholeness, not by eliminating the obstacles, but by making use of them. He sets the pace. He takes us on the journey to growth and maturity and wisdom. We learn from what he leads us through. It reminds me so much of my friend Josh, who, who attends the Livermore campus. Uh, Josh is an RN, and he felt like God was leading him to New York to help with those that are directly impacted by the COVID-19 pandemic. And I remember talking to Josh on the phone before he left and, and telling him that I was concerned about his safety and his well-being. And he just said, hey, you know what, Steve, this is, this is the path God has me on. And after text message conversations with him and, and reading his Facebook posts, I know that this path is not an easy path. People are hurting. There are obstacles he, he never thought he'd see. But Josh, but Josh is choosing to lean into the words of Peter, how Eugene Peterson translates it in the message, to love like his life depends on it. This is where God led him. And I think too often we get overly caught up in whether or not we're on the right path. But when Jesus leads us, the path is always toward loving others. If the direction you're headed right now is in the way of Christ-centered love for someone else, you're going the right way. Where is God leading you? Who is God leading you to? Are you slowing down enough to not get out ahead of him? Are you following so closely that you're bumping into Jesus and even getting his dust on your feet? And to move even further, are you taking the, 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 the time to see things that may be tempting you to kind of step out of alignment with God? Now, I love how David says this in Psalm 139.24. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me, lead me in the way everlasting. God, lead me in the areas I need to slow down. God, lead me in, in the ways to move forward. God, lead me in your path. And if there's anything in me that is pushing me or prompting me toward another path, call it out. And when I ask God to lead me, I'm actually okay with him saying, your direction needs some correction. And I'm okay with admitting that truth and making the necessary shifts. Does your direction need some correction today? Lead us in your truth, Lord. Show me, teach me, lead me. You know, just like Jericho and I take on these postures during our hikes, this is how I'm attempting to posture myself in how I respond to the stressful days sheltered in place. Conversations I have with my wife, hangouts I have with my friends over Zoom, and, and really it's, it's how I'm attempting to approach every moment of every day. 
I'm reciting it in the morning and reading it from a little piece of paper that, I, that I've placed on my desk. And it's even helping me recognize the, the good that is coming from our, our new reality. I encourage you to hold on to this phrase. Maybe even challenge you to hold on to this phrase. Write it on your bathroom mirror this week. Some more bathroom mirror material for you. Write it somewhere where, where you will see it. Show me, teach me, lead me. And one of our worship leaders, John Orozco, uh, after hearing the direction of this message, he wrote this phrase on his shoes as a reminder for every step he takes. Maybe you want to join John in that. Show me, teach me, lead me. And for those of us who maybe think we don't hear from God or that we have difficulty understanding how to be, how to be led by God, think through what God is always leading us toward, no matter what kind of journey we're on. And God says things like, on your path today, do nothing out of selfish ambition. Be kind to yourself and others. Love like your life depends on it. On your path today, God says, let my hope and joy empower you. Ask me anything and tell me everything. I am with you. You know, I can, I can easily point to the moments that I've lost sight of how God is speaking to me. It's not always easy to slow down or pause long enough to focus my attention to this, this place, especially during those times that I think I know better or the times that I take the path I make or the impatience and frustration that comes just as, as Jericho walks into my office and interrupts my work, which happened plenty of times as I processed this very message and what God was preaching to me. The irony was real. But when I walk out of my home office and I see Jericho's little shoes by the door, I'm reminded again, show me, teach me, lead me.
I'm Adrian from Walnut Creek, and I know that you heard from God today. I also know that you want a closer walk with Jesus. And the great news is that he wants that even more. Jesus wants to walk beside you and with you through life and to grow you into what he originally created you to be. And so because of that, we've created a Next Steps landing page on our website, and you'll see links in front of you. And all you have to do is click on the link, go to that website, and pick the next healthy step for you to take to grow closer to Jesus. It may be becoming part of a group. It may be letting us know that you are a part of our services and making yourself known. It may be cracking the Bible for the very first time and reading about who Jesus really is, or praying and listening to what God says to you. But whatever that next step is, let's take that step today. In this challenging time, I want you to know that we're praying for you, Please be praying for each other, and let's remember to take our next step in walking with Jesus. We love you guys, and we look forward to seeing you soon. Bye.